Hello. Hello, Merlin. Good afternoon, Dad. How are you? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? <laughs> good. How are you? How's everything way up there? Good afternoon. I'm very well. How are you? It's foggy. <clears throat> it was foggy here today, too. You were driving over the on the interstate this morning. You, you couldn't see where you were going. You couldn't see anything. It was just like that um, that Twilight Zone episode with all the fog in it and the, and the, and the little city that got taken away. You know, wish it in the cornfield, that one. It's a good line. Yeah, yeah, the one where uh, uh, Burgess Meredith uh, breaks his glasses. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that sucks. Uh, you, do you get a lot of fog there? No, not usually. It was quite extraordinary. Mm. We're entering into that time of year now. Isn't it like the seasons work differently? Like the, the, the summer in San Francisco is colder and, and more damp? You know it. Yep, yep, yep. Well, fortunately, as long as we're talking about the weather... Uh, we were very fortunate that it rained and rained and rained. And like, we finally got out of this really bad drought. Alex Jones, by the way, says the drought didn't exist. It was cause they were literally throwing, uh, throwing, uh, throwing away water in order to save a three inch long fish. But we did actually have, <laughs> we did actually have a really bad drought and it's nice. Like we're fixing up our yard a little bit and it's nice to be able to use the hose again. If you know what I mean? <laughs> I didn't know. I know exactly what you mean. We got a new one. We got a nice, nice, thick, hard mm. hose. Alex Jones is it. here, you know. I know, I know. Like, I mean, I, not quite walking distance, but he lives real close to where I live, and yeah. He's <laughs> Can you hear close. him yelling from where you are? Only at night. <laughs> Only at night, when it's quiet in the city. I just don't understand why. Why, why would he be standing? Why, 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 why would he stand? I would love to go in front of his house with a rifle. Why is he? Why, why is he doing that? Why is he doing formation? I need to go out there and see what's what's going on. Oh, I, last night I was uh, mistweeted. Uh, by PBS NewsHour, which has like a million followers. Hmm. And I guess there is a political correspondent named Daniel Benjamin. Oh, there. no. And PBS oh. NewsHour tweeted something about the story that they were doing and, and mentioned my account instead of his. So I was getting a lot of tweets from people who were very angry about what I had just said about Something I don't know what it whatever it was. That's was, the internet. You just nailed it. That's the internet in a nutshell, right there. It was either it was either very pro Trump or very anti Trump, and I don't know which. And but people were very upset about the uh, whatever it was that that the other Dan Benjamin had said. Oh, I'm so sorry. That is so <laughs> miserable. Well, I, I changed my uh, bio and I said, "I'm not the political correspondent you're angry at." And uh, oh, you poor thing, <laughs> it was funny, but uh, you know, PBS NewsHour has not responded, they have not deleted the tweet or uh, or anything. So, I'm still getting people tweeting me about it, and I'll reply to them and I'll say, Uh, you're looking for a different Dan Benjamin, and they're they they have a very different tone once they realize the mistake. And one woman actually said to me, She's like, I wondered why you were using so much younger of a photo. I'm like, Wow, <laughs> so I guess he's an older dude, but of course, he also wears glasses. and. Oh, I, I no. think it's an honest enough mistake to for people. Daniel to Benjamin. I listen to NewsHour almost every day, and I don't recognize that name. Oh, here we go. On Iran and anti-extremism, Trump strikes different tone from his predecessors. So yeah, he's some oh, kind da- of- oh, it's Daniel Benjamin of Dartmouth <laughs> College, Dartmouth. <laughs> right. Oh, geez. It's oh, just... that is that is so miserable. And it's <laughs> and you know, most people they're just they're just they're just throwing their love down the memory hole. 
Like all they're doing is they're just like, ah, I might have to have an opinion about this. Bar. Right. Like, you're like, no, it's not. I'm you're yelling at the wrong guy. Wow. You should have thought of that when you were reporting on and No, you know, I, one of the things I, I don't like to mention this too much because uh, like my fondness for the band, the move, I, I know I'll never get people to like this as much as I do, but I did a sporadic series of three or four um, parodies. They're parodies of public radio and they're parodies of certain personalities that yeah. we know. Right. And one of my favorites of these I ever did, and forgive the low production value, but you know, it was mainly a writing exercise. Uh, so it's this thing I think I did called Quotidian Public Radio. QPR, Quotidian Public Radio. And um, one of my favorites was, <laughs> this is so stupid. I put it in show notes. It's called uh, Planet Comment on their show, Nation of Talkers. And uh, to, to, I don't, won't spoil the very obvious joke to you, but uh, go give it a listen because it makes me happy. And you might like it too if you listen to public radio. But one of the, one of the bits that I, I parody in this is something that used to happen back in the day when, when like the, the ninth wave of people were first arriving on the internet as blogs were a thing. Right. Was people, you remember this? People would go out and they would Google Oprah. They would Google Deepak Chopra, I guess. I don't know. They would Google Dr. Phil. I don't know. They would Google something. They would land on a high-ranking blog that contained that string of text on it. They would go into the page and go into comments. <laughs> Just start address, writing a comment to the person who was mentioned on, in the blog post, like they were there. Right. They're there. They're part of it. They're involved in that. Yeah. It could be people who are dead. Right. It just like, you know, I just want to say, Oprah, what you're doing with education <laughs> is very important. <laughs> Helping the children of Africa. Right. Uh, I had a question for James Dean. Um, <laughs> I love that so much. I, I want to, you know what? I should do more of these because it made me so happy. But uh, what was the other one? Oh, there's the other one that happened. Um, it's been happening for a while. This is not exclusive to the iOS app store. I've seen this on <laughs> one I saw recently, which was people, somebody has, I forget who linked to this. Somebody found, um, <laughs> people going, oh, it's just so many layers of weird to this. People going to the iOS app store, going to the page for the TripAdvisor app. <laughs> what? You're leaving, killing me. What? <laughs> and leaving bad reviews for hotels, giving a one-star <gasps> review to the TripAdvisor app. No. <laughs> it's like, I just, want, <clears throat> I just want to say I've been coming here for years. <clears throat> and they were very rude to me and very unkind to my daughter. And the noodles were very floppy so strange and it's like it's there's there's something like i said with your thing it's so perfectly internet because most of those people probably didn't not most but there are certainly probably some people out there who are just out throwing darts and they, they don't even know that they're yelling at the wrong person no right i mean this happens we have lots of pals that have like early twitter users who have excellent you know short names like like poor doug bowman from stop. stop design. Yeah, stop. Mm -hmm. You stop everywhere. And I guess is this an Instagram thing where like you can like put at you can put things like as labels on photos. Yeah. And then that at responses, I don't understand this at all. I'm just speaking phonetically. But anytime somebody uses the word stop, it tags Doug. And it's like, uh, you know, words, you know, names are words, 
but not all words are names, and we should probably avoid namespace pollution by making this unnecessarily conflated. Yeah. Well, so yeah, I strange. mean, it, it is. I used to have the, when I first got on uh, Twitter, I was just at Dan and I was wow. getting everybody's tweets, everybody's tweets all the time. It was, especially because that was probably back when people would say at Dan Patrick, right? Or be at Dan space right. Patrick. Right. Yes. Like, you know, there's, there's, there's not like a magic pearl script that's figuring out what you meant. I should have kept it, but uh, it, it just was a nightmare. Yeah. Oh God. What a week. What another week. My heart is heavy today. I'm in a pretty good mood now. I had some coffee. Yeah. I had a tough night last night though. What oh, happened? You know what happened? Oh, and, with, uh, yes, yes. Of it's course. just like this one. I rarely, um, personally, profoundly saddened by things that happen to be on the news. I'm not trying to be glib. I'm, right. I'm trying to be honest and say that, you know, I, I'm not a monster. When I see terrible things happen, you go, I go, that's a terrible thing that happened. And, you know, you can't spend every day, you know, racked with concern about everything, although the world certainly wants us to be. But that, the stories of the little girls at that concert yeah, and terrible. the nature of it is terrible. just, it's weighing heavy on my mind. And then they keep showing the videos. Okay, I was trying to watch MSNBC and catch up on what's happening with the, uh, you know, dumpster fire. And uh, yeah, they're just showing looped videos shot in portrait mode of uh, of like just teenagers screaming. It's like, what are you doing? Take that. Don't don't put that up. That's not good. I haven't I haven't watched any of that at all. <clears throat> well, you know, I got the Hulu clear there. of it. Still loving Hulu, loving Hulu. Uh, and the more I use it and the more that I love it, uh, the more frustrating elements of the interface are. But I am I still think I bet on the right horse with this one. Uh, YouTube announced, uh, I think yesterday, yesterday, today, that the YouTube TV app will, everybody's like, oh, this is so exciting. The YouTube app will now let you uh, airplay to your uh, Apple TV. It's like, uh, so if I want to watch, you know, the the real celebrity chefs of the Hollywood Hills, like I got to have my iPhone in use at the time, like that's bananas. I wish they'd clean up the interface and I wish they would add picture in picture. Because well, I'd love that'd to be, be pretty useful. Well, like everything that happens in the world, uh, you know, the TV ecosystem, like everything that happens, I'm sure it's there for a reason or it has been left out for a reason. Right. These are smart people uh, who have lots of complicated deals. And I mean, I'm just guessing, but I imagine if at least one of the relationships you have with any of those uh, media properties, those companies, if even one of those wouldn't want that. You know, it would probably be a deal killer on top of which probably Hulu wants you captive in their app, you know, while you're using it. But I mean, it works fine on Apple TV. It's just that, I mean, I'll be honest again for the second time this week, uh, probably the third time I've been honest this week. Um, I have been watching a lot of CNN and MSNBC. And for some reason, when I go to flip to another channel, the other channel is almost always like at the whole other end of the dial. It doesn't seem to like learn what channels you want. You can say you expressly want this one and that one, but like it's kind of frustrating, but it is nice to have. It's a good, it's a good service. That's all I have to say about that. Okay. I'm, I'm done being honest here. Right. I added uh, quotidian public radio, a number three nation of talkers planet comment, social media expert, Dr. Robert Chandler from on focus university joins uh, Connor, I think his name's Connor Nielsen, because you have to have all first names on public radio. Right. 
uh, to discuss web-based community and user-generated content. Uh, where would people find show notes for episode 325 of your Back to Work program? They can go to 5by5.tv slash B as in brethren, two is in the number W as in ladies slash mm -hmm. three, two, five. Three, two, five. I wanted to ask you a question. Are you yes. still uh, enjoying the uh, Amazon Fire TV? That's a very good question. Um uh, like most people who have a TV, I or people who have lots of set-top boxes in particular, I'm heavily constrained by HDMI ports. Right. And uh, I'm not trying to sound fancy, mm -hmm. but I mean, we've got Apple TV, Fire TV, Roku. Um, at one point, I was using the over-the-air antenna. Right. We got we got a PlayStation, and we've got a Wii U. And that's that's plenty right there. That's yeah. there's I don't think they make TVs where I could have all of those plugged in. Yes, you can get a hub, et cetera, et cetera. But occasionally, you know, the the cream rises. Where like if there's something we're not using as pardon my saying, it's a very it's a very hard hose. I'll see if I can find a link. Uh, you know what I I unplugged it for now because it's not the newest one that gets the updated interface. Um, and I have not been watching that much prime content right with that said when i do plug it in and fire it up it's great it's it's it still feels the amazon fire tv i i have a fire stick but i haven't used it much the amazon fire tv still feels like the most beefy and capable of the devices that's right. just my gut feeling it, it wakes fast um you know with apple tv there there is it sounds trivial but there's something like i don't know what a 10 to 20 second um in oregano while it's kind of firing itself up. Amazon Fire TV, boom, it's on. Right. Interface is there. Right. It's going. Right. It's going, you know. Um, I think it's I think it's a very capable device and I'm I'm very excited. Is it a rumor or is it official that the Amazon app is um the Prime TV app is coming to Apple TV. Is that official or I, is that still just a, like a hot rumor? Yeah, I heard the same thing I think that you're talking about, which is that that uh, it was like a, a leak that that's been approved and it will be announced at WWDC among other things. Right. I've heard different things about it. I think it's credible enough, you know, that we can anticipate that that's going to happen. And I don't, I'd be curious if it does happen, if that means that we can buy the, you know, the Apple TV on Amazon again, if they'll yeah. let that happen. I mean, you know, I have, we have a, one of the newer generation Apple TVs and then we've got a couple of older Roku's mm -hmm. and I have, uh, an Amazon Fire TV here at uh, in my personal private office, and I was thinking about getting rid of at least one of the Roku's at home to try and switch because the Roku Roku's fun though. It's fun and it's pretty. It's cute. Like I, I like I like the Roku. It's a little bit old school. It's a little bit boxy. Oh, but mine but are so slow. Are I don't they know really? if yours are or not. But I've had oh, I've had everything. three of those. I've had three, uh, uh, two at least two Fire TVs. And at least three, maybe however many, I think four probably, Apple TVs. Uh, and I'm finally culling them. And it was really embarrassing because I had this box full of black black and white pucks. It was really, <laughs> I, I didn't realize like how many of these I've, I've had. But, um, and so are you looking to... Just get rid of one of the, get rid of one of the Rokus and, yeah, and right. swap it out. And I'm feeling like that's a smart decision. You know, I hate, my whole philosophy is I try not to replace things if they're not completely useless or broken, you know, and, and there's that part but of you also me that, don't want, you don't want Kipple. No, I do. No, I do not. 
You know, I mean, it's I think it, I think a case could be made that if you have a still relatively modern thing like this, like I tried, I once again tried Harmony because uh, everybody talks about how great the Harmony remote and the Harmony hub is. Oh, yeah. Well, it's garbage for doing anything with Apple TV, obviously. I mean, because it's the doesn't really, you know, there's all kinds of stuff it can't do. But um, but I'm keeping that around because who knows? I mean, that was really costly and it might come in handy. I think you could, I think keeping the Roku around, I'm a big fan of the Ziploc bag. What I'll do is I'll take all the <laughs> gear for that thing, put it in a gallon size Ziploc bag, and then you can toss that all and like, you know, you can call that periodically. Like, I don't think you need three old Rokus, but having one around is not crazy. Right. Did I, inter I interrupted you, didn't No. I? No. Yeah. Mm -mm. <clears throat> yeah, I am. Um, I'm interested to see what happens. We, I think we talked about this probably in the last few weeks, last month or so, as we talk more about this TV stuff, but... Yeah, that um, standoff between Apple and Amazon, however formal or informal it was, was not good for either company. No, it really wasn't. And I, my hope is that they really do make this happen because it's so it's so frustrating to have to switch. And, you know, the only reason that I really have some of these other devices is to get to that Amazon prime content. There's a lot of really yes. good content on there, not just movies, but they do, they do their own TV shows just like Hulu and Netflix does. And they've got a bunch of content that you just can't get any other way. And I find that and if I'm, you want to watch like eighties and nineties movies, like there's a ton of those on yeah, there prime are. that yeah. are, they're not so much on Netflix anymore. Right. Netflix is, is there. They for a long time had that kind of like, you knew you could go there and get the older content and you could, uh, watch whether it was old TV shows, old movies. Their focus has changed a lot, and mm -hmm. as as it should. But it, that kind of left the the door open for Amazon to come in and get a bunch of those. And there's a whole bunch of shows. Like I just started watching a a show called Goliath with mm -hmm. um uh what's his name Billy Slingblade guy Billy Bob Thornton. Billy Bob Thornton. He's great in it. Mm -hmm. So I just, you know, that's only on Amazon. So it's like, great. I got to switch over to this ancient Roku. I think it's like a first generation Roku or it's so, it's just so slow. Yeah. It's like, I just yeah, dread having to type something in on that. It's interesting to, um, look at the direction that stuff goes. Like we've talked a lot about voice where, where I, it is my contention. I am not particularly insightful in saying this, but it seems clear to me that on John Syracuse's infinite timeline, uh, the voice is where things are going. There are people who still don't want to use voice. There are people who today insist that they never will use voice and they find lots of contraexamples of how voice is terrible for things. And, you know, you have to nod and go, yeah, you're right. That's that's true for now. But like, look at the trend line. Somebody on Slack today was talking, actually Syracuse was talking about the Mac and like it's kind of difficult not to imagine on the infinite timeline if, if, if the Mac is going to continue being around, doesn't it seem like it kind of has to have some touch capabilities on a screen at some point? If, if the Mac, just follow me on this. If the Mac stays alive, if the Mac is not uh, supplanted by a super powerful iPad, if the Mac's going to be around for another 10 or 20 years, do you imagine there will be a computer in 20 years that doesn't have a touch interface? No way. I mean, yes, it can still have a keyboard. Yes, it can still have a mouse or whatever space mouse title like whatever they come up with in the future you know maybe it'll be a minority report thing with billiard balls but you know it's i, I you know feel free to disagree but I, I think that that is a pattern that seems very clear now let's look at media and the way that people consume media where um you know first nothing happens for a long time and then everything seems to happen well as more people cut cords you know more and more people are getting used to the idea of the 
pleasures and pains of a la carte viewing, realizing that it can actually be twice or three times as costly if you're not careful about how you do it. And, you know, you kind of correct that over time. I've certainly done lots of corrections. But, but you know, what is the trend? I mean, you're generally, I think you are acquiring, you're buying the hardware from these companies, not strictly because of who made the hardware and what it does, apart from what content you can get on it. Exactly. So almost every one of these pucks, this is a very large generalization, but in some form or fashion, most of them have lots of services except for one. And usually it's for an obvious reason. So, you know, the Amazon Fire TV family has lots of stuff except for Apple content. Apple has lots of stuff uh, except for Amazon content. And I think there's probably numerous other examples. Yeah, you know what? Maybe you really prefer the interface for certain services and apps on this over that. But I think that if you round it up over five to 10 years, you're going to find that people are moving to these devices because it has the content they want, not specifically because of who made it. And that, that there's still room to innovate there. Like I still think there's room for Apple to really innovate there. I love the ability. I love when my phone pops up a notification to say, hey, the keyboard, you know, you can type on a keyboard right, now. Right. I really like that. Um, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to sh like give the Apple TV short shrift, but the big thing I guess I'm trying to say is that most of these companies have gotten in a sideways way, apart from Netflix, apart from Hulu, apart from these people who maybe even just like started as either middlemen or content or, or are now content providers themselves, HBO, they want to be everywhere, which is understandable. Amazon is coming into this a little bit sideways because yeah, they have that content, but I would guess that at least for now, they mostly want to sell you the puck. It's about the puck. And then the services keep you in the ecosystem and get you to expand. Suddenly I'm Ben Thompson. But, but you know, the, we think of it as, will this let me watch the stuff I want and not make me feel like a dipshit when it's not useful anymore in two right. years? Yes. Right. I, I think that's a big part of this is there's this like, oh, should I buy now? Should I wait? Should I whatever? But the bottom line is, yes, they all have Netflix. Yes, they all have Plex. You know, there's a handful of these you can probably get CNN and use your cable sign on. But from a consumer standpoint, we're going to look at the, the ones or the people who advise on these decisions are going to be looking for the ones that let people have the most flexibility to do things the way that they want without regard to, you know, other parts of that ecosystem. And at, again, now look at Apple. At this point, given what you can do with Apple, photos is still a big question mark with Apple. There's so much they're not doing with photos right now that is, uh, and lots of other people have talked about this. I heard a podcast, I think on Upgrade, they were talking about this, how like Google's announced a thing where it can use their facial recognition stuff to suggest who to share photos with. Yep. That, that'll be coming at some, have you yep. heard about this? Mm -hmm, I have. That's a really neat idea. And like Apple, for example, like I, I, on three different devices now, I'm still tagging different faces in different ways. And they say for security reasons, I think it's probably for technical reasons, they have not integrated that across all the devices. Well, wouldn't you want to see that? Wouldn't you eventually want to say, like, show me all photos for my screensaver. I want all photos of my daughter between this age and that age, between these three corpuses of data from all these different people and have that show up, you know? Because right now it's really as simple as, like, it's not much more sophisticated than using Flickr as your... Yeah. Uh, so there's still plenty of room to innovate there. There's still plenty of room. I mean, I love stuff like unlocking my laptop with my watch when it works. That's stuff like <laughs> that is great. But 
I don't know how many people right now are going to change ecosystems just because it has this one feature that they've never used before. Right. With the possible exception of Amazon. I think Amazon is making a very compelling case for how these things can work together. Like I said last time, I'm not sure how many people are going to move everything to Amazon Photos just because they, they get a <clears throat> just because they get a Echo Show or whatever it's called. Anyway, I'm rambling, but lots of room for somebody to uh, probably an established player, but for somebody to jump in at this point. I don't think it benefits Netflix to make a dingus in the way that it benefits no. Google to make a dingus. Yeah. Because Netflix just wants to run on everybody else's dingus. They want you paying your $10 a month or whatever. That's all they care about. Yeah. And, you know, when you, as you mentioned that, as I listened to you talk about it, you know, the, the, I think it's obvious that the biggest players in this space are not really the hardware manufacturers. They're not Google. They're not Apple. They are, by all means, Netflix probably Amazon Prime TV and and Hulu. I'm not sure who number two and number three would be, Netflix being number one. And, you know, I mean, it seems like they're in the best situation. And, of course, Netflix, you know, you can watch Netflix on pretty much anything, any smart TV, any puck, anything out there, you can watch Netflix. I think Hulu's probably the same. Amazon Prime everywhere except Apple. And that's the, it's like you said, they're all missing, they're all missing one. And, of course, everybody except Apple is missing iTunes. Uh, right. So, you know, you're I'd always... Love to see, I'd love to see some numbers on the trend line for people purchasing media and where, in the and way where that I have. It? Well, yeah, especially with regard to uh, iTunes content, because my gut is, my gut is that there is not a lot of growth right now. In the same way that people aren't buying MP3s so much anymore. They're, you know, they're signing up for streaming, streaming services. And obviously these are very different kinds of things. It's one thing to say, like, I've got Spotify and that works on, you know, every conceivable dingus, including stuff like Sonos. But like, you know, yeah, it makes sense that you would buy a movie to watch on your Apple TV on your TV. But I, I, I don't think they release these kinds of numbers. If they do, I'm not aware of it. But I don't imagine they're seeing growth in that area. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you'd have to be right. I own so many movies I've seen one time. Yeah. Just because that's the way I got in the habit of doing it. And here's the weird thing is I've got, like I said, two Rogus and a Fire TV. But for some reason, when I went to go and get Fargo Season 3, I bought it on iTunes. Now, why did I yeah. do that? Why did I do that when it's right there on Amazon Prime and it comes out the same day and it's the same exact cost? You know, like, why I am, am I? Yeah. Why? Because I am very much, as you know, as our listeners probably know, um, I'm very much in still in the Apple ecosystem. But at the same time, like, why? Why am I making sure that I'm going to stay there? You know, why? Why not? have things that okay if there's four or five different kinds of devices out there there's the rokus the fire tvs and who knows what else why not find or choose the place for my content that is the most compatible as opposed to the least compatible because by far itunes is the least compatible every <laughs> device that i own can play amazon prime tv or hulu or netflix except my apple tv mm -hmm. um all of my they, iOS they have, devices have, can. Yeah, right, right, right. But I mean, yeah, exactly. But like you're, that those things that you're paying $15 for are right. only viewable in this part of the ecosystem. Right. So why am I doing that? You know, and so maybe that, that's what I'll do. Maybe next time I'll get it on my Amazon Prime. Yeah. 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 But you know, I think Apple unintentionally 
let's go back a little further. Napster did something that we can all look at now. And I think with, with even with like having some of the emotion burn off, you know, hopefully with some of the emotion burning off, you can go back and see that like one of the things that Napster and LimeWire and all those services taught us mm. and taught these companies is, well, first of all, if people can get stuff for free that they will, even if it's quote unquote illegal pirating. Right. right. Um, but the, I think one of the big lessons to be drawn from that, and there's probably Ted talks about this is that the idea of being able to get what you want, where you want, how you want, um, is very appealing to people. I mean, I had an Amazon prime now order this morning. I've got a thing coming from Amazon today. I got some dish towels coming from Amazon today. Like that ability in this case to say, Hey, dingus reorder dish towels. Like, I think there is, I think there's a very strong, um, the seeds of that were sown in the days of Napster. I mean, you know, I could be wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong. Don't. But, but that, 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 I think that one of the lessons of that was like here, you know, we want this stuff and we want it now. And like, and, and the truth is a lot of us were saying all along before the iTunes store, like, you know what, put a cash register on it. I'll pay for this. Like, it's okay. But like, don't make me go to Sam Goody to get a death cap for cutie record. Like, this is weird. It doesn't make sense. Like all of this money goes into, uh, you know, these, uh, like I used to say, the Virgin Records downtown was like a, a big building made out of pl plastic and insurance. It's, it was so crazy to have this entire three or four story building that did nothing but sell plastic in plastic. So anyway, all of that said, I think the unintentional thing that Apple taught people like me uh, is very interesting and potentially at odds with how Apple works now, which is, well, guys, we did it. You can now come in and you can buy music electronically. Digital copies of your music will be available. And if you lose the download, don't worry, you can always download it again. Then you right. come along with the, not before iCloud, it was just uh, iTunes Match. So iTunes Match, like all your stuff is going to be in the cloud. And you know what? If you have MP3s sitting around, you can go put them in the cloud. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. They'll be available to stream from everywhere. And that actually was a very, I think a very good service. It was very dependable. And then the dark times came and there were problems. <laughs> and, you know, obviously Jim Dalrymple is kind of the poster boy for oh, this, but I a lot of us have story. had these things uh. where like, well, what, what happened? I tagged all this stuff by hand in music brains and like, you know, whether that's fish concerts or demos from the Wrens or unreleased long winter songs, like I sweated all that. I put it in the cloud. Not, not, I don't know where it is. I don't know. I don't know if it's even there. It thinks it's a live Led Zeppelin record. Okay. So guess what? I, I First, I learned that this stuff could be gotten legally with money. That's good. I could, for a time, have the stuff all available the way I want it, where I wanted it, and nobody screwed it up. I just got a big attic in the sky that was all mine to use. That was great. And then the dark times came. And now today, like, I don't even know what music I own anymore. I listen to so much stuff on streaming services like Apple Music. I watch a YouTube video. I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't think about, I don't love saying this as somebody who considers myself foremost, primarily a fan of music. Like right. that's my bones were made in my love of music and TV, but really music is like how I kind of form my personality and like for better or for worse, like there's a love of music and the like curation of music and mixtapes and that whole culture in the eighties. And now today, eh, whatever it's, you know, all those Ren's demos might be gone. I don't know. Maybe they're in there. Or maybe they're a live Led Zeppelin record, but I don't care as much. I don't love saying that, but I don't care as much. It isn't like the days where you would carefully rewind your VHS tapes, right. put them into the sleeve, or you'd have your DVDs in a wallet or whatever, and you'd have them in alphabetical order. 
I don't think normal people do that anymore. And no I way. think that has, that has got to have an impact. When you get to that screen, it says, well, do you want to rent this for five bucks or buy this for 15 bucks? You can watch it here or your iPad, but like you can't watch it, you know, on non-Apple devices. I, right. I bet a lot of people, their finger pauses for a minute and they go, that's kind of a lot of dough for, uh, you know, a, a 72 tomato movie that I may not watch <laughs> <laughs> more than one time. Sure. No, I totally agree with you. And I think there is definitely that movement toward, you know, I remember when the first streaming services were out there and I was thinking to myself, wow, why would anyone want to not like have your music? Like what if the internet connection goes out? Like how are you going to listen to stuff? I used to have those, you remember how they had those big books of sleeves yeah. for DVDs or CDs. I had like two or three of those and everything was alphabetized and put in there. And I had taken the CD cases out and just put them in like boxes in the garage. And I had this, yeah. I was like so proud of this like thing you could flip through and like pick the, but if you think about the amount of time, energy, effort that goes into like, Oh, what do I want to listen to? Well, you know, I want to hear that old uh, Bob Dylan song. Well, which album was that? Oh, right. Well, let's go over to the, to the, you know, is that is it under B or is it under D? Okay, it's under D, and you'd flip through. Okay, D, there's a Bob Dylan stuff. Well, I got these three albums. Which one has it? Oh, it doesn't list the tracks on the front of the CD. I guess I'll just get the, you know, like, that was not weird. Right. But also it created that whole experience. I was listening to um, to your Talking Heads album um, uh, this morning, actually, and I, it it occurred to me that, like, the whole album has... Uh, has a, a a feeling to it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There is, uh, there is, uh, and and that's something. Which, that, which album? Um, what was Psycho Killer on it? Is that? Um, uh, Remain in no. Uh, Psycho Killer is Talking Heads seventy seven. Seventy seven. Thank you. Pink, and it, it, it has a very much a a feeling to it. You know, it's a it's mm -hmm. not quite a concept album, right? But like it's very it's very atmos atmospheric. Yeah. Very. Uh, Tense and nervous, can't relax. Right. But, but it is, you know, warning sign, yeah. warning sign. <laughs> sounds like he's really losing it. A little too much coffee for David Byrne but or it, something. But, it, you know, it was, yeah, right. But it was, you know, it, it like that occurred to me that now we have like, yes, we have like Spotify playlists and things and, and Spotify will make its own playlists for you, which are pretty good. But, it, you know, you, you lose that whole idea of like there's an album and the album itself kind of means something and the album itself is a is a statement not just an individual song um and so a lot of the time i think simply because the difficulty of putting a record on a turntable or getting a a, a cd out and put, popping it on into the player that you are more inclined to listen to something as a whole like start the album mm -hmm. and listen to it and let it finish and the idea of doing that wasn't weird now the idea of listening to like five to 10 songs in a row by the same artist. Like you must really like that artist. If you're going to do that, that's almost crazy. You're not listening it to a it playlist. It must seem very old fashioned to people who are used to streaming. Like I bet you there's a lot of people who are in their twenties now who have been listening to Pandora, maybe the free version of Pandora. Yeah. You don't have a lot of dough. You're a kid. You got a, you know, you got a cheap phone or you got your laptop and you just probably the same way that like your pizza place would just stream the free Pandora. 
right? And so you're really used to that. I mean, it's like listening to the radio. If all you ever had was the radio, it would seem strange to have some multi-volume like Stravinsky box set. Like, why would you do that? (laughs) Why would you own that? That's so weird. Right, it doesn't make any sense. Right, right, right. Yeah, and there's that that sense, lots of people talked about this, um, but that sense of um, the way that we identify and the way that we interpolate and the way that we form and uh, groom our identity has really moved to places like social media, obviously. I mean, I think probably, whereas I would have defined myself by knowing who Husker Du is and having a Husker Du shirt in 1986, like that was a thing, that was code. And like today, yeah, that probably is happening on Snapchat. I, I would not know. I don't have a Snapchat, right. but I acknowledge that that is a huge force. Um, and but yeah, it's a that's a big cultural shift. But it it is it is interesting though because I don't know. I I still kind of feel like I get why Apple would want to move into the content creation stuff. Yeah. But you know what's weird? And why this don't is they the, just partner? Why don't they partner for that? Why don't I, they get with somebody who already does it very, very well? Or acquire one of those companies. I don't know. And, you know, the funny thing is, like, if if you were to tell me, well, Apple's going to make a car, I'd say, all right, it'd probably be a pretty cool car. Uh, you know, making phones, they do a good job of that. I like their computers uh, are used to. So a lot of the stuff that they're making, I have a lot of confidence in saying, I'm oh, probably going to really like that thing that they're making. But like when you tell me, oh, Apple's going to be making content, I don't know why, but like my gut reaction is, well, that's going to suck. And I don't know why I think that. Well, and then isn't their first thing that reality show about apps? Yes. That's the first thing they're making, right? Right. And in my mind, I'm like, well, that's a very odd choice. That's not going to be that good. I don't know why. And like the people who are involved seem weird. Maybe it's because every attempt that Apple has made to make content uh, in, in, in a meaningful way. And I think, you know, like, do you know anybody that's listening to the Apple radio stations that, that came out? <laughs> Mike, Mike Hurley listened to it extensively for at least a week. I think that's the only person I know who I've heard have very strong feelings about it. And the main feeling is, you know, you know, the joke, here's the joke. You go and you watch an Apple keynote and you're sitting there waiting for it to start and you're seeing the shots of the audience and then everybody says the same thing, which is, oh, this is my my annual reminder or my quarterly reminder or whatever that 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 uh, the Apple radio station exists. Never listen to that. You know, and I mean, like, that's I, I don't know. That's, why. that's me. That That's me. Though. Not, I mean, like, yeah, if you're, I agree with you. Well, and here's the, but like every one of these companies has their one or more white whales in some ways. Like, I think you could argue that for Google, it's messaging apps. I mean, how many more messaging apps are they going to make before they feel like they really nailed it? You know, they've had so many messaging apps. And with Apple, one of theirs is social media. Mm-hmm. Like, they've made these kind of flaccid, you know, whacks at social media that have just utterly fallen short. People don't remember Ping. They don't remember Ping starting. They don't remember Ping going away. Do you remember Ping? Ping was a thing. Yeah, and I remember Ping. And then it Ping. wasn't, and nobody remembers it even going away. There's nobody, I mean, is, is anybody going into Apple Music? I don't even know what it's called. What is that thing called? The the interactive component. Oh. There's the thing where artists are supposed to yeah. talk to their fans. No one stuff. uses what, that. It's called what? For you, radio, library. Does it even have a tab anymore? You got radio, library. I might have turned off the icon for it. I don't even <laughs> remember. Connect? Is it not connect? That's the uh, App Store thing. I don't know the name. Anyway, of it. well, there, there you go. I don't remember what it's called, but yeah. I've never used it except to accidentally click on it. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, on the other hand, okay, so like Apple Car, meh, I'm not a car guy, but like, okay, sure. 
again, seems weird to me. But you know, but like, like if, if you imagine Apple making a car, like I think they could make a car. I think if they said we're going to make a car and they really got serious about it and they really did it like the car, they would make a car. Yeah, sure. But I feel yeah, like I, the I idea that, of them but... making making content that people really want to watch. No, really you're, you're, you're see. no, I see. I see, I'm sorry. I see what you're saying. Yes. I mean, it is conceivable to me that if Apple made a car, it could be good. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like there are these rumors going around and at least in, the, in some of the reporting, a lot of insiders supposedly are saying, Hey, look, making the whole big, you know, donut in the sky for Cupertino, like took a lot of resources, like trying to decide what kind of chairs and doorknobs to make. Like, I know. I read that wired piece on that. Is that ugh. very interesting? Like it wound up a lot of people for a lot of time. And there's a, I don't know, supposedly the rumor is that there's murmurs that like, okay, guys, it's, you know, time to stop planning your treehouse. Let's get back to here and work on these these things we need to make. Yeah. Now, with that said, I I can well let me let's be honest. If they announce a Siri in a tube at WDBC, I mean it's fashionable to go. Well, I'd really want to have to see and I want to hear the. I want to buy it the first day. Duh. Obviously, I'm an idiot. I'm going to do that because I'm super interested in that particular space. And the truth is, like, I can conceive of Apple doing that very well because they do have a track record of you know Siri having improved. They do have my, they are my ecosystem and Apple also has a habit when they're, you know, running on all cylinders, they are really good at coming up with something new, buddy saw coming. Yeah. And, you know, the classic example in some ways being the iPhone, like it's still such a marvel. I think books have been written about this, what a marvel it is, what they managed to accomplish in the amount of time that they did. It's like, it's like a moon landing that they could get all that stuff. And st as much as everybody knew, and as much as was rumored about the iPhone, we still didn't really know what the iPhone was going to do until whatever that day in January. And I, I, I hold out that the Siri thing could be very cool and does make sense given their value proposition. But, you know, when you hear stuff like, you know, cars or TVs or buildings or TV shows, it's just like in all of those cases, there are people, I mean... This okay, and just the exception that proves the rule, as you like to say. Everybody says, "Oh, you know, why make a watch? You, you know, watches are already this mature thing." Well, yeah, these are early days for the watch. Let's give it some time. But like, you know, I get why people say that though. Like, why wouldn't I? If I'm going to pay three hundred dollars for a watch or whatever, like, why wouldn't I get like a fancy watch that I like? You, in particular, I imagine would think that, right? Yeah, sure, definitely. That all makes sense. But like, Jesus Christ, there are people who've been building buildings for years. Like, why are you getting into the designing? I don't want to sound cynical. Like I understand this is the last big Steve project in a lot of ways, but like when it comes, especially when it comes to making people who are really, really good at TV and movies don't hit it every time. Yeah. I mean, there, how many Kubrick's and Scorsese's are there? And even with Kubrick, you know, well, people have differing opinions on eyes wide shut, but you know, there are not that many people, even Spielberg, you know, whoever, like people who are really, really, really good at this still don't hit it right all the time. So like, why would you, burn cycles going into that business, you know, and this is how production credit works. If you pay the money for something, you get to put your name on it. Right. That's exactly how it works. <laughs> right. Right. So like when you see, gosh, I can't, now I'm spacing on any of the names of these, but like when you see all those, like, you know, before movie and you see those little movies with all the production credits, like that, that's just all people who paid money to make that movie. Mm -hmm. There's no reason that that can't be Apple. Just go pay other people to make it. I don't know. See, now I'm getting all mad. Well, Got strong feelings about things. I guess that's not my. Bad. Uh, that's not bad. I have, a, I have a heart, and it's big. <laughs> well, we red, I mean, red I, blood. 
I think the more kind of content that uh, that we can get that encourages like independent people to come out and make something that couldn't have been made for regular TV. It couldn't have been made for a movie. I love that. I love the idea that something like Netflix and, and Hulu and Amazon prime and all of these shows uh, are, because I find that the best content, the content that I'm most enjoying isn't from the major networks at all and hasn't been for a very, very long time. It's not from the major studios, typically speaking. And I love that. And I love that there's something like this that we can get and we can watch it. The shows that I'm really looking forward to consistently, they're on, you know, they're on Netflix or they're on stars or they're coming from something else. That's not uh universal pictures coming to the, to the movie theater. Generally. I've got to find you this article that I saw today. And it was basically a graph on changes. Doggone it. I don't know where it is. I don't know where I was looking at it. But it was, it was, it was showing graphs for changes in ratings mm. per, per show year over year at all the, the major broadcast networks. And it is grim. It really? is unbelievably grim. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's really it's, – it's, it's pretty bad. Well, you know, here's another angle on this though is, you know, it's cool that – I mean, Netflix, how do you even, how do you even begin to address Netflix? Like right now, you know, we pay for HBO a la carte and this is that time of year when it's so great to have HBO. My God, Sunday nights, like it's the one night of the week where there's way, I mean, I can watch a lot of TV, but like we get Veep, which is my favorite TV show. Mm -hmm. We get Veep, we get Silicon Valley, we get, uh, John Oliver and you get, um, the leftovers. That's all in one night. But the thing is, when those when those shows aren't new, it's like, hey, Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, you know, I already own that. Like, I don't watch movies on HBO. Like, that's rough. Whereas Netflix, every time I go to Netflix, literally, like every day, there's something I have not seen before that's featured that was made. My daughter was asking me, what does that mean, Netflix original? I'm like, well, that means that, like, they help pay for that thing to be made. Like it's bananas how much stuff they have up there. You'll never get to the bottom of Netflix, you know? Um, and so like, I don't know. It's, it just, it's, it seems smart to figure out once you, I mean, I, I, forgive me, this is so condescending to a company that knows way more about the stuff than I do, but Apple, I don't want them to lose the thread. You know, M maybe it's just part of like getting old and hoping things don't change too much, but I would love for them to really surprise us by saying, you know what, for one, okay. Here's an incredibly powerful laptop that's kind of expensive. Here's an incredibly powerful desktop that's pretty expensive, but it's really, really good. Here's a wildly capable Apple TV. And you know what? Screw it. You can run whatever you want on this. Yeah. Like, I don't know. You know what I'm saying, though? I would love to have that feeling of we got to be so snotty for about five years. Starting around 2007, we got to be so snotty about, oh, my God, we were just doing victory laps about how great Apple was. And, I, you know, I... um. The idea of Apple going, and I'm not saying don't innovate, but like the idea of them going and like, you know, building a treehouse of TV shows at this point is just, uh, seems weird to me. Well, it does. And, you know, I think that you mentioned before how people were sort of upset after reading about everything that went into building that building. And if you, if you know the background on that, <clears throat> excuse me, on the, on the ring, as I guess they're calling it, the new Apple building. Yeah. On the campus is that the the building, but the campus as a whole, you mentioned it was like Steve Jobs last creation. And it, it really was. This was something that he was absolutely focusing on. I don't want to say 100 percent, but it was his primary. My understanding is that it was his primary focus for the last, you know, 
block of time in in his life. And if you think about this, it's something our our mutual friend uh, John Roderick had talked about. Um, he's talked about it with you and and uh, and a couple other places too. That you know, I think it is a natural desire for a a person, and maybe this is like a guy thing, but I don't know. To, to sort of want to erect some monument and leave that as a as a a mark right. on a mark on the on the earth. Of course, he explains it much better uh, than I am. But it, you know, it's it's one thing to say, oh, you know, I left enough money behind so my kids could go to college. Maybe even some money for their grandkids. Or you know, I um I I I wrote something that's you know maybe one day someone will read later again. But it's another thing to like build some kind of giant thing and truly make a deep mark upon the earth, you know. Mm-hmm. And and, uh, and so it would make sense that as one of the final things that that Steve Jobs wanted to do was to to do that. I mean, he had already created some of the coolest tech that we've ever seen. But you know what? In fifty years nobody's going to, I mean, maybe in a museum, but nobody's going to be like talking about how great the first, you know, seven iPhones were. No one's going to care about that, but that building could very well still be there. And you know what I'm saying? And, and so, uh, in that way, he was truly leaving something, not just creating a company, but creating almost with his hands, some kind of tremendous physical imprint on the world that will be here to stay. I mean, who's going to tear that thing down and why? So, Right. You know, I think that there's something to be said for that. So, of course, everything that Steve Jobs cared about and was and focused on, the kind of attention to detail, his obsessiveness when it comes to just his general philosophy of things like not wanting to have fans. So they came up with a ventilation system where you don't have to have fans and, you know, like all of that stuff that Steve Jobs was about put into a physical place like yeah that's what he was focusing on especially when he knew it, he didn't have much time left i think that's a very common thing as one gets older i mean you think about all the people who have made all the money and mm-hmm. like gotten all the fame mm-hmm. and they still they want their name on bricks and mortar like right. that's a that's a pretty common thing it could that and that could express itself as an endowment that could express itself i mean frequently like my wife my wife used to work in development at uh, stanford and uh, at, during the dot-com boom, you know, it, that is one way to really get people's attention is to, like, name the cafeteria after them. Right, right, right. I, I want to return to a couple links that I have sent you via the dingus. But uh, first, I'd like to hear about, uh, if you'll permit, I'd like to hear about something that you like. I would like to tell you about, uh, about some of our friends over at Blue Apron. Blue Apron? That's a better way to cook, Dan. It is a better way to cook. They're the number one. They can fresh. just run with that. They can run with that. That's theirs. I mean, mm-hmm. you came up with it. You give it to them. That's what you do. Akuna Matata. They are the number one fresh ingredient recipe delivery service in the country. Think about that. Think about those words. Recipe <laughs> delivery service. Mm. They're not just, they, they give you the ingredients, but a big part of what they do is they figure out what the heck you are supposed to be cooking. And that's the toughest thing. You get home from work and you're like... What should we have for dinner tonight? Well, I don't really know. Do you want that same chicken that I did? No, because we had that and we had leftover. Well, when do you want to do that? You know what? Let's just let's just eat this loaf of French bread until we're full. Mm. And that might taste good, but it's... <laughs> what, a grim, what a grim evening. You know what? Let's just eat this loaf of French bread until we're full. Have you not? You're saying you've never done... You've never had an evening like that. Of course I have. And I've it's eaten sad. All the things. It's sad. And what Oh, it's so sad. What Blue Apron wants to do is they want to 
they they want to really uh, keep you from being so sad. They want to make you have a little bit of fun in your life, and you can do that through cooking. That's their mission. They want to make really good food accessible to everybody. And they work with, you know, sustainable farms and like all the stuff that you want, like local farms and fisheries and ranchers and all that good stuff that you would imagine. And that's what they do. They're all about that sourcing from farms that have regenerative farming and pretty much everything that you would hope a company would do if they were bringing in food that's supposed to be healthy. They want it responsibly raised. And that's that's the kinds of companies that Blue Apron works with. And they have different meals all the time. That's the cool part of it. And I've made a whole bunch of these meals and they really look like the pictures on the recipe cards. And they're, I would say they're pretty easy to make. Like it's going to take you a little bit of time, but you can spend that time with your significant other, with your family, having fun. Your children, speaking from direct experience, your children will enjoy eating the food more if they were involved in making it. I've seen this time and time again, especially with my little girl who doesn't like anything. One of the ways we get her to try new foods is we'll say, hey, why don't you help make this new food? And she makes Ditto. it. And totally. She's willing Same to thing. try it. Yep. 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 So yeah, anyway. they get, I mean, they've had their little hands on it. You know, they got the they got the rinse the farm egg and mix it all up and like cut up the onions and like it's a whole adventure. That's right. And you get all you know, this you know, fresh you, food. You don't even have to talk to each other. Dude, just total, total <laughs> silence, meal preparation. Don't, don't and, make me get the French bread. I won't get the French bread. So for less than 10 bucks per person per meal, you get this and you get it delivered. It's, it's a great value. No commitment. You only get deliveries when you want them. Recipes are based on your own preferences. You can choose your delivery options. You name it. They've got it. Go check it out. You're going to get, if you, if you follow the special URL, you're going to get three meals free. With free shipping, blueapron.com slash back to work. Try it. They're free. It's a great way to see if you're going to like this service. You'll see how good it feels, how good it tastes. Blueapron.com slash back to work. A better way to cook. That's theirs to run with. Mm. Thank you, Blue Apron. Buck, buck. Are you able to get to links that were sent via Skype? Yes. Just for fun, that first one, the, the Todd Vaziri status. Link. I wish that Skype just opened that little chat window by itself that you didn't have because like if you're not paying attention to it there's no indication it just i see this picture of this is that that the superhero kid i still i send john roderick probably three three to five links a week in skype and i think he still doesn't know that he can click on things in a window in skype i like unless todd. you like have it open todd is a cool he's a visual uh effects guy yeah, I think he's, he's really at, he's the best. Is he at is he at uh, Star the Star Wars place Lucasfilm? Yeah, or? he makes he makes Star Wars. Yeah. So, uh, but look at that link. Isn't that oh, funny? Look at that. So this is in show notes. This is Todd having gone through uh, his basement to clean out his collection of DVDs. It's just this massive, massive pile of plastic and paper, and he says this is one quarter of the collection. Oh my gosh! Isn't that crazy? One quarter is, and it's this for those who are not looking at this. It is just this massive pile. Oh, yeah, and look at that. He's got a Christmas story in there. He's got Amelie. He's worked on mini. Mm, I, I feel creepy whenever I look people up on the internet. It is it's creepy. Hot. It is creepy. It's oh, weird. man. Look at him. Rogue One. Look at that. Yeah, Tomorrowland. Strange magic. Oh, my gosh. Winter Soldier. Transformers. Mission Impossible. It's Avengers. easier to list the movies he hasn't worked on. That's what I do. Yeah, it's called a, it's called a bubble sort. All right, that's in show notes. And then click if you would please. I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna use his uh, his pile uh, as a show art this week. 
I love it. Whether he likes it, it or not. Can't stop us. Yeah, sue me. Dan, Dan is, yeah, right. Dan is based in Austin. You can't touch him. That's right. We gotta, he's, ex- he's expressing his true masculine nature. the main patent troll people are all here in Texas, so. Oh, God. Now, is that, <laughs> see, I didn't want to bug Marco about this, but he posted a, a toot about this. So was it a federal law that changed where you now have to be in the same state? Yes. Wasn't there some change like this week? Except yeah, Texas, like, like yesterday or something. East or, Texas is such a cesspool. Did you ever hear that uh, This American Life on patent trolls? Uh, yes. Oh, yes. I did hear that one. Oh, it's staggering. And they're like, <laughs> they're like all in this same little like mini mall with doors with no office behind them. <laughs> it's so like, bad. It's so gross. All right. Uh, click on that vulture link. This is a vulture.com article from, uh, May 14th. Vulture.com. I'm clicking. It's loading. <clears throat> Titled the 2016 to 2017 TV season in five really depressing <laughs> charts. So scroll down, and this is year over year. Whoa. Now remember, the last the last five years have not been banner uh, years for uh, network TV. But go and look, there is exactly one show that has increased in viewership <laughs> across all of network this TV. Is hilarious, isn't it? Well, it's it's I mean, depressing doesn't begin. And you know what? I've only heard of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and uh, Shark Tank. I haven't even heard of any of the other ones. Really? Well, uh, Grey's Anatomy, I've heard of that. And of course, Modern Family. From you, but like, I I don't know if that's the, I think that's the animation one. Sure. Uh, Something called American Crime. Or that's at Bob's Burgers. Yes. 53% year over year. American crime. The only show that I can see on here on any of the networks that has increased is a 3% increase year over year. And that is a show called the bachelor. Yeah. Um, and you know what? My, my, my friend is the uh, producer of the bachelor. That's cool. And Supergirl is down. Oh, cause it moved, it moved to CW. Okay. That's, that's, that's an, a big asterisk, but, uh, isn't this crazy? Isn't this nuts? So basically what we're looking at here, you can find it in show notes for this episode at uh, five by five, TV slash BTW slash 325. I think I said that right. But basically every every show that is mentioned on here, and I, I haven't looked at the actual numbers. I'm just looking at these charts. But yeah, every show is down. And, and understand that like a year ago, it wasn't like this. It wasn't like that was their iPhone 6 year. Like this is this is like already this is oh, Simpsons down 4%. Bob's is down 7 Something called Scream Queens down 50%. Ouch. Master Chef Junior. Well, that show's very stressful. Master Chef Junior. Yeah. Anyway, little kids doing it. Oh, it's so stressful. Yes. What night? What night? That's like nine-year-olds in like trilby hats, and it's like, ah, I've been cooking since I was three. It's like, oh, shut up. You know they've been heavily coached, but still, it's very stressful to watch a kid have to cook competitively. <laughs> My sauce broke. I think I think Showbot's down. Are you writing all these down? I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah. All right. <sighs> Sometimes, see, here's the stupid thing: is whenever Twitter yeah. changes its API, mm-hmm. whenever they change their API, uh, which they do from time to time, it breaks the little thing that happens. And so, anyway. Mm-hmm. Breaks a little thing. Now it's working. So anyone who is ah. sitting on titles, type them in now. It'll work now. Yeah. We got nothing. Yeah. Nobody tells me nothing. Nah. 
All right. Well, we talked a lot about media. Yeah. Uh, I have some <clears throat> few things from listeners. Should we do some uh, listener uh, questions? Feedback? Yeah, I love that. Uh, listener Adam writes to say, I've used some habit building apps in the past and have even used a Pavlock. That's the thing that shocks you. These have been really helpful for physical habits that happen at a specific time, such as remembering to floss, doing physical therapy, etc. Uh, I struggled more with cultivating mental habits where the goal is to think about things differently throughout the day. And wants to know if we have any suggestions for things like that or how we handle that. I'd like to do that one. You want to do that one? We'll just skip it. No, let's do it. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a good answer. I I I, uh, uh, I think it's an interesting question, though. We we did a challenge one week on uh, Do By Friday where Max sent us all those shock bracelets that you use to, to break habits, the Pavlock. And uh, we ended up talking about this. And, and my thing is, like, it's... In some ways, it depends on the kind of person that you are. Like, for example, deadlines. Some people are very driven by deadlines. Right. Other people are not. Right. For other people, it's unimaginable that you would have a project without the deadline because the deadline is kind of their favorite part. Now, that's not going to work for everybody. Not everybody is a deadline person. So how do you motivate yourself? Like, sui generis. Like, you got to cook up something. And the, the trouble with a lot of these habit building, motivation, the problem for me, I'll speak for myself, is that... The, one of the biggest problems is that if you're trying to stop doing something, I find them virtually ineffective because it's not very satisfying to go to an app and tick off that you didn't do something today. <laughs> and all day long, it just hangs over your head like, you know, will I, will I smoke this meth today or whatever it is? Or will I break down? And like, you know, if drinking a glass of water, if it helps you to go and tick a button when you do it to drink more water or whatever, like that can be good. I am, I have become motivated by the background data that gets gathered by my various devices. Like, like I've said before, to me, sleep is a video game now because of Fitbit. Like I'm really trying to get my hours up in that. I want to get my steps up. I want, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Keep my weight where I want it. And those kinds of things, but that takes time and it is a long game and you have to really dedicate yourself to saying this is a long game and it's going to be okay that this takes a while. As far as like getting you off the bubble, though, I think it's really hard. If it if it helps you to have an app that reminds you to do things or bugs you or motivates you, stimulates you, I think that can be good. But I think in some ways, if it's a habit like what are the ones he gives? Therapy exercises, writing every day. I mean, I don't know. Do you do you find apps like that useful? I, I don't find them that useful. No, not really. I don't like. Any... I'm not I'm not disparaging them. Like if they work for you, but for myself, I I don't find them that useful. No, I don't either. I don't like to, I have found, you remember when you were talking on, on, on this episode, on this program about how you were sort of getting more into the tracking, whether it was the sleep tracking or health tracking in general and that, that type of stuff. And you were yeah. doing some experiments with that, you know, I, I like that because I think what it does is it really helps people who are, um, interested in becoming more aware of like what they're doing and how those things that they do or don't do affect the rest of their lives. But I, I get no, personally, I get very little joy from doing that. And certainly I would be opposed to the act of saying, I didn't do these 20 things today. That just seems like a downer. Right. You know? So, I mean, this could also then go for stuff like task tracking, I suppose. Task management, if you like. I don't like that phrase, but yeah. But like keeping track of what you got to do, making sure you get it done. Yeah. Put it, putting those little reminders in place. But 
I mean, in cases like that, I mean, that's a kind of personal project management that I think is is smart. It's a good idea. And and if you stick with it long enough, here's the pattern. The spoiler for all of this is that like any of this can work as long as you care enough. It's if you don't care enough, like there's no app that's going to help you. This right. is very old school back when I was Merlin Mann kind of stuff. But <laughs> it's really true is that, you know, if you are motivated to do something, you don't need an app. Um if, if you have that motivation, you will do it because it's important to you and you will reject other things in order to get that done, including things like not, you will bolster your, um, willpower, right? If it means a lot to you to save for college, if it means a lot to you to be healthier and lose weight, like these are all things where like that you won't have to get a reminder or a magnet of a pig on your refrigerator right. title in order to remember to do that. You're going to do that because you know, that's a thing you do now, but it takes a while to get to where that's a thing you do now. So I don't know. I mean, people claim that these things work. And if they, I mean, the idea of like this Pavlock thing's a riot. I'll put that episode in show notes. But like you can do stuff like it claims to help you with stuff like, you know, scratching, nose picking, uh, smoking, where like it gives you a shock every time you raise your hand. It gives you a shock on your wrist. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Like that's like that's a that's barely even a parlor trick to me. Nothing against the good people at Pavlock. Um, but that's, you know. So what am I, what's, what's my advice here? Yeah, I, I don't know. I've done things like, like I've got an app right now that I is running, but I don't pay any attention to that records. The only thing I'm doing, so like it records, there, there is an app called Streaks. This one that I use, I don't remember what it's called. It pops up once a day and basically reminds me to work out for at least 20 minutes. And I, which I do anyway, because I always remember to turn my watch on when I go pick up my kid. I get like a 45 minute walk out of that. Mm -hmm. Etc. I guess it depends on what you're trying to change and what the motivation is for doing it. And I think one instance where I could definitely see apps or services like this being useful are where, what, you're flighty. Like maybe you know in your heart that this is important to you, but only ever occurs to you to stop drinking when you're hungover. Like maybe, <laughs> that's a silly, that's a, maybe a dumb example, but like, you need some kind of a, a cognitive brace to like help you remember what it is you're supposed to be remembering. And for me, obviously reminders, Oh God, I'm so big on reminders. You know, I don't, I don't overcook pasta anymore because it would never occur to me not to set. I mean, I, I'm so, here's how weird I am. I am so weird that I sleep with my Apple watch on the, one of the first things I do when I get up, not the first thing, but one of the first things is I talk into my watch and I say, Hey dingus, Remind me to get my watch in one hour. So it's created a reminder. Then I take my watch off my wrist and I put it on the charger. That's just the thing I do, right? Like, okay, silly example, no stakes. But that's just a part of my, if you like workflow, that totally makes sense. I've just used the watch to remind me to get the watch. So when it's charged, I put it back on, I'm good to go. You don't actually need to charge it overnight. If you charge it twice a day for 45 minutes, you're generally fine. That To me, that's an example of a kind of like a healthy uh, improvement is having a little pattern like that, uh, mm -hmm. that you use, but I'm forever using it for stuff like reminders. So like if you're, if you have a good heart and good motivation to accomplish something, then I'll bet that there's an app or a service that can help you with it. My problem, one of many is like, I just get so freaking sick of devices beeping at me to do something. Cause it's rarely at a good time. You know, it's, it's, I don't, I don't find that motivating. I, the bottom line is this, like you got to find the thing that you care a lot about and then you got to make it a pattern. You got to make it something you do over and over 
no, no matter what it is you want to do differently, you've got to, you've got to just really start doing it differently, right? I mean, you've got to get up early and write. You've got to get up early. And my, my wife went running at 5.30 this morning because that's a thing that she does. Right. I think, I mean, that's not a very happy or life hacky answer, but like one day at a time, like start building those paths. As far as, and particularly what he asked was cultivating mental habits where the goal is to think about things differently throughout the day. I mean, for that one, I would say, here's one, this, this is what would work for me. I love walking. It's so important to me to be able to walk. I mean, just for, for endless reasons. Um, I love walking. I don't like being in a car. So, you know, if there's a time of day where you'd like to have that break, you know, why don't you schedule time for like during your lunch hour at work, if you can take a walk, you know, take a walk and have a thing that you're going to kind of be thinking about during that time, just kind of lightly thinking about it. That's one way to do it. Have a, have a light lunch and take a walk or take a walk, then have lunch, something like that. Uh, get up earlier and work on it. Try journaling, uh, get a gym membership. Yes. Go somewhere that's different from what you do and let your mind do its thing on its own. You could look into stuff like mind mapping. I don't know of a way to change your wiring to where you want to cultivate a mental habit differently, except through the, the meta challenge. I mean, how do you get a habit about habits? You just got to keep doing it over and over. That's key. Key with a habit, repeating it. Yeah, that's what makes it a habit. Mm -hmm. That's how you know it's not like, you know, Welsh rarebit. And you can't replace uh, an old habit unless you have a new, a healthier habit to replace it with. Probably. For me. Yes. That, you know what? I'm going to say I 90% agree. If you have some kind of a mouth thing you do, whether that's smoking or eating or whatever, like you probably want to find a different mouth thing to do. Hmm. I should probably cut that out. <laughs> what time is it? Well, you want to tell me one more thing that you like? Sure. I can tell you about Squarespace. Squarespace! Have Squarespace. you heard of it? Do you know what they do? I sure have. It's a better way to website. It is. And that's a nice way to say it, isn't it? They can have that, right? A community of home webmasters. There you go. Locally sourced, responsible farm aquaria. I love me some Squarespace. Dan, give me the F's and B's on Squarespace. How's that thing even work? Uh, they have these great templates that let you build a beautiful website or an online store or an image gallery or pretty much any kind of website that you want. You start with it by picking one of their templates, which are all really, really beautiful, all professionally designed. And then you go in there and you tweak it around a little bit. You start putting your own content in it. It's all drag and drop. Couldn't be easier to use. And then all of a sudden, five minutes later, you've got your own domain, you've got your own website, and you're ready to go and focus on the thing that you do really well, which is probably not make websites. And that's where most of us are. You have a, you know, you want to go uh, get get a car. You don't learn how to build a car. Well, building a website is just as complicated. Let them do it for you. They do a better job probably than you would do anyway. And you get to focus again on that thing that you're good at and the thing that you want to do on the thing that you like doing. And they make it super affordable and they got 24-7 support. It's just, a, it's, a, it's a great service. It's a great place to to go and start something awesome and... You may be saying, well, you know what? I'm already a square. I already have my own Squarespace. I don't need this. Well, guess what? There's a lot of people who don't yet. And you can mm -hmm. tell them about it and you can give them this coupon code. The offer code is it's your show. One word. 10% off your first purchase. And it shows your support for this program because then they know that you're listening. 
And so the next time that you think, oh, you know what, I'm starting up this new project or I've got this new iOS app that I'm working on or I just went on this amazing, uh, it was a honeymoon, in fact, wasn't it? And I want to put up a special thing so that all the people who are connected with us can go to this great site and see it. Or maybe you got something to sell. You want to sell it. You can sell it there. They've got built-in e-commerce. You name it. They've thought about it and they've made it easy to use. Squarespace.com. It's your show. 10% off your first purchase. This kind of goes back to what we were saying about Apple in some ways, like <clears throat> unless it is. So in, in the case of like Steve Jobs, last big project, we want to build this building. Well, the thing is like, you know, if you're in the, uh, to repeat what Dan said, just slightly differently, um, think about the finite amount of time that you have for your project, whether that's your, your site about knitting or your business about knitting or whatever it is that you're working on. Think about how nice it would be to change the size of those pie slices for your time allocations, mm -hmm. you could spend so much less time trying to build your own pearl from source and get in there and just spend all that time on making beautiful content and putting it out there. It's, it's, I, I you know, I, 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 I do think it's important to remind people who are in your life and may not know that they need it. But I also want to say like, if you've heard this over and over and you've never tried the free trial, consider at least trying it. Just go in and have a look around. It's not going to cost you anything. Just go have a look at it. Now you will also be much better suited to say when your, your child's school, your church, your charity, your community group, when they come along and they say, you've got to go make me a webmaster, you can know with confidence, believe me, I'm a dingling and I can do this. Go and do likewise. Make right. yourself a Squarespace site. Nice. Thanks, Squarespace. Buck, buck. <sighs> I was thinking about biofeedback. Hmm. I mentioned this at least a couple times before, but I don't know. So I'd gone to see the, what do they call it? One of the counselors at, at I don't forget. Was I was sad. I was depressed. I was something. I went and saw one of the counselors at school. I mean, I wasn't like, you know, on the ledge or anything, but like right. I went and talked to them. I think I was having a hard time. Oh, just all kinds of things. You know, when you're in your twenties, everything's hard. Everything is. And he said, I want you to try this thing. I want you to try this. And he said, he hooked me up with this machine. He said, and I've told this story before, but if memory serves the way this work was, what I want you to do is I want you to sit here. He didn't say anything about what it was, what we were doing. Oh, he says, just give me, give me like, you know, 15 minutes of your time here. I want you to just sit down. And I think if memory serves, he connected some kind of a dingus, either a finger dingus or a wrist dingus, but something pulse-like, something like that. Right. And I, I think it was something as simple as, now what I want you to do is just sit here and I want you to try and change that light from red to green. And I was like, well, how? He's like, I don't know. You, you tell me, you, you figure it out, but I want you to sit here and, and I want you to change that light. Long story short. And I hate, hate to spoil biofeedback for you, but eventually by the end, I was able to do it a little bit by thinking and trying and doing everything. Eventually I realized like if I made myself calm the F down, I could make the light change. And of course it's the simplest thing in the world. It's just, it's that like, you've got to learn how to relax yourself. Right. But like it takes that concentration in that case that was a very useful device. As simple as that little device was, it was a way of showing me how well I was doing at the thing that I was trying to do. If you have an app for that that is useful for you, that's a good thing. But it doesn't change the fact that you're the one who still has to uh, Yeah, you got to do the work. You got to do the work. I remember <sighs> in, the, in the 80s, I had, as a, as a little kid, it was a little blue box with a switch on it, a volume, you know, the kind that where you, you turn it on and it, it also works as the volume dial and it had a little head uh, what looked like a headphone jack that connected instead of headphones to a little velcro thing that you would put around your finger 
And it was very much intended to be the home version of what you're describing, where uh, you would sort of calm yourself in a way, but the noise, it made this noise that sounded almost like a little Geiger counter. And you would... And was, it, was it your heartbeat? No, I don't know. Well, no, I don't know what it was reading, um, but it it claimed to be reading something. And that, in fact, if you would calm yourself down, then the little tone would go like <laughs> then. Oh, almost like a theremin. Yeah, almost like a little weird, crappy theremin. Oh. Uh, but I'll tell you what, here's something interesting. You know how they, they talk about the uh, Tibetan monks, the Buddhist monks who can... Um, they can control their temperature and they would go out into the, this incredibly frigid part of the mountain where they were, you know, where it's like below zero and they would put these uh, wet uh, towels or blankets on them and that the monks are so able to control their, their body and, and mind that they're able to warm themselves up despite the cold temperature around them warm themselves up and actually generate so much heat that the the steam will come off of the of the blankets. This is a studied what? thing. Sci- scientists have studied this. So, I had always thought oh, that seems a little far-fetched, but when I was very very deep in that meditation practice that I had going for a number of years, I was in uh I was in the hospital for a, a minor thing and I was I was um they were uh bringing me out of the anesthesia thing and I was laying there and I thought Oh, you know, I'm hooked up to all this equipment, which I really, really liked seeing the heart monitor and the pulse and everything on you. That was really cool. I said, I wonder, like, I should be able to, you know, slow down my, my pulse and everything else, you know, by just going into a, a meditative state. Right. And I mean, they like want you to lay there for like an hour after you come out of the thing. So I'm laying there and, uh, and I just did a little meditation and in, in, just kind of tried to calm things down. Now, I, I have to add, this is based on like, I was meditating for at least an hour, if not two hours a day, twice a day. And I've been doing that for several years. So I was pretty good at that Chimney. by this time. Wow. And, uh, and so I just focused on calming things down and, uh, and then the alarm started going off on the <laughs> the, the the thing that was connected to me because I guess I had lowered my heart rate and blood pressure really low and they mm. thought I was crashing and two nurses came, <laughs> came over and they're like, That's what's going on? And I said, no, it, it's fine. I'm fine. And I said, watch. And I let it go back to normal and they didn't understand it. And I did it like another time to see if I could still do it. Uh, I doubt I could do that now, but you know, oh biofeedback God. really is, there is something to that. That were fun times in the hospital. <clears throat> well, there's that term. I feel like I first heard about this in the Don Norman book, but there's that term that, you know, people like to toss around to be fancy. When they say, you say it's an affordance. Well, sometimes you really just mean it's a handle or a button. You know, but an affordance is something that affords something else to happen, right? It's a way it's in, could be a mode of interaction. But <clears throat> all this stuff can be an affordance for whatever it is that you want to do. It's just that very few of us go out and just buy buttons to buy buttons. Like you would understand <laughs> that this is because I want to light the living room. Right. That's why I have this button. And I don't mean to be, you know, glib about this, but like, I think that's, that's the key thing is understanding your own motivation for these things Yeah. Uh, can help a lot. And if you lack the motivation, I mean, this is so old back to work stuff, but you know, if you lack that motivation or you're unwilling or unable to, to make sacrifices in order to do it, you're going to have a difficult time. And like, even with a shock bracelet, you're not going to be able to get the results that you want. What was the, so, part so you of it, have one of these shock bracelets? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. What does it feel like? What does the shock feel like? It's horrible. 
Is it bad? Is it painful? Yes. Well, if you have it all the way up, it's pretty, pretty bad. How high does it go? Pretty high. Yeah. Alex, my, one of my co-hosts, like she had it all the way up and like, she was like getting nauseated. Really? I will put it in show notes. I do not, I don't disrecommend it, but she's not a hunchback. Uh, Pavlock. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a silly product. You don't need to order this, but I will put it in show notes and I will put the episode of do by Friday in show notes, show notes. But you know, I mean, you know, sometimes we just need to be reminded. It's like they say at the end of a good man is hard to find. Yeah, she would have been a good, what was it? She would have been a good woman if it had been somebody there to shoot her every minute of her life. And that's, that's how I feel sometimes where it's like, you know, I just need to be reminded to do the right thing all the time. And for some people that is like, okay, I want an hourly reminder to stand up at 10 minutes to the hour, remind me to stand up. Like, that's not such a terrible thing. But I guess what I'm trying to say in all of this is like, don't, you will find an app that can help you with this if you've got the motivation to do it. But you, you gotta, you really gotta get the motivation in place. Not the optional. Toughest part. toughest part. Not optional. Not optional. Not. <laughs> I like where you're going All with right. that. Uh, I will see if I can find this for show notes. Dan, I think it's been another terrific episode. I like this. I like the way this feels. You think you'll uh, post this one? Yes. Okay, excellent. It's nice to finally get one up. So let's button this up. All I right. love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.